Pete Buttigieg is the rudest, smuggest, most condescending brat on the planet. Take a look at how Secretary Pete responded when a reporter asked a very basic question that the vast majority of the American people want to know. Why haven't you visited East Palestine, Ohio? Secretary, what do you have to say? Hi, how are you? Good. Jenny Chair at the Daily Caller News Foundation. What do you have to say to the folks in Ohio, East Palestine, who are suffering right now? Well, I'd refer you to about a dozen interviews I've given today. And uh, if you'd like to arrange a conversation, uh, make sure to reach out to our press office, but I'll have that conversation with you. Just walk you don't have a message here. for them? I do, and I shared it with the press many times today. I'd refer you to those comments. Sharing it with us? No, I'm going to refer you to the comments that I made to the press because uh, right now I'm taking some personal time and I'm walking down the street. Are you going down there? <clears throat> What's up? Are you going down there at all? Um, yeah, I am. When are you going? Uh, I'll share that uh, when I'm ready. Okay, I'm talking thank down the street. you. Can I get a, can I get a photo of you? Yeah. <laughs> you are not a celebrity, Secretary Pete. You work for us. You work for us. And by the way, at the end of that video, when Secretary Pete asked her for a photo, he was not asking to take a photo with her. He was asking her for her photo ID. He was asking to see her driver's license in order to try to intimidate her. He is, he, you gotta love this guy. He is the smuggest, most condescending brat on the entire planet. How entitled are you? Personal time, you are a cabinet secretary. You don't get personal time when you're a cabinet secretary, you don't get to be a millennial and do your yoga and go out and drink your, your latte. You're a cabinet secretary and you haven't visited the, we have suffered in Ohio. I'm from Ohio. My family lives hours away from the, what's the worst environmental disaster probably in US history. People in the state of Ohio and specifically in the town of East Palestine are worried whether they're being poisoned with toxic chemicals. Mayor Pete doesn't have time to visit them, but it, he has time for personal time. Just a little date night in DC, and God forbid a journalist ask him a question about this. We're gonna talk about what's happening in East Palestine tonight because there's some other politicians engaging in showmanship in East Palestine in order to distract from the real reason that this environmental disaster happened. So let's get to it. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. In East Palestine, Ohio, this is now several weeks after the train derailed, over a week, a week and a half actually, since the government deliberately made the decision to burn these toxic chemicals, including vinyl chloride, that resulted in that mushroom cloud of poison that we all saw photos and videos of. Um, over a week later, Governor Mike DeWine of Ohio 
visited East Palestine with the administrator of the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. The administrator's name is Michael Regan. Maybe you've heard of him, maybe you haven't. We're gonna talk about him and the EPA in just a moment. And on video for the media, Governor DeWine and EPA Administrator Michael Regan drank the tap water from the home of a resident who lives in East Palestine. And it is, I gotta tell you, this is the most awkward, contrived, weirdo video that you will see. Take a look. Did someone wanna drink the water? Yeah, I will. Yeah, I'll serve you. Yeah. Yeah. We will. You, you can serve us up a glass of water. There's <laughs> 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 glasses right behind you. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Thank you, Bill. Like that laughter is just so awkward and cringy. I'm gonna walk around there. You, you got your glasses here if you want to fill that up. Yeah. So you have Governor DeWine on the left, right. and you have Michael Regan to the right of the woman in the blue. We, uh, I'll tell you, we believe in science, so we don't feel like we're being your guinea pig. But we don't mind proving to you that we believe the world. Okay. Here's to Caroline. Here's to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. What the heck are we watching? This looks like a religious That's ritual. That's good. He like raises the cup and says, We believe in science. Like, what are you drinking to? Incredibly creepy. Look, DeWine can't wait to put that cup down. I <laughs> think. The peace of mind is what we have to continue to. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Thank you for that. Yeah, because DeWine yes. doesn't. Now you yeah. can feel like it's totally fine, right? Very understandable why you'd be worried. People yeah. are worried. Yes. Oh, it's so kind of saying, I understand why people would be worried. I understand why you would be worried. But if I'm drinking the water, you can feel confidence. Let's raise our cups to science. These people are creepy. This is, this is a weird religious ritual. And let me tell you, this literally means nothing. Nothing. Because these radical leftists, and I know DeWine is technically a Republican, but if you look at how he handled COVID in the state of Ohio, this man is not a conservative. This man is certainly not interested in letting science dictate policies related to, well, science, public health. Um, and EPA Administrator Michael Regan is just an outright radical leftist. So these radical leftists um, are literally willing to drink poison if it helps them achieve their political agenda. They will drink poison in fealty to their own power, to the own, their own longevity in government. And I don't, I don't say this to be bombastic. I don't say this um, hyperbolically. I say this because we've seen this happen. We've seen politicians all across the country, think about the Pfizer jab, Politicians were rolling up their sleeves on camera, taking um, the Pfizer jab that a lot of people had concerns over. And were these concerns legitimate? But the politicians took these jabs regardless because they had to in pursuit of their political agenda. So drinking this tap water, probably like what, two, three swallows of this tap water, they made it look like they were drinking poison. The looks on their face were, they were in great pain. But this means absolutely nothing. It's, it's just a creepy religious ritual. The EPA, let's talk about the EPA for a second. So this name is a name you actually should be familiar with. If you weren't 
If you weren't familiar with uh, Environmental Protection Agency Administrator Michael Regan before, I want to talk about the role that the EPA has played in this ideology that has morphed into a religious belief for the left. The climate change alarmism, the environmentalism, this has become a religion of the left. And the EPA has played a large role in regulating our lives through the rules that they have made, because they're part of the administrative state, that have constructed our country, distorted our economy, and limited our our, our liberties in the name of the climate change alarmism religious ideology. To the EPA, their goal is the radical climate change agenda furthering this religious belief, this ideology. We, we know for this for a fact, again, it's not, it's not speculation or conjecture on my part. We know it's not really about protecting the environment because look at the position that the Environmental Protection Agency has taken on electric cars or on gas-powered cars. They are against gas-powered cars. They are for electric cars. And the reason that they give us is because they say, well, fossil fuels harm our environment. They lead to carbon emissions, which is, the, is a contributing cause to climate change, which they claim is going to end our planet in whatever, they change the number of years every five years uh, when we're going to face this apocalypse. But they claim electric cars will be part of the, the solution for this. But you and I know that electric cars aren't green. You and I know that electric cars require batteries. These batteries are made of cobalt and lithium and other metals that have to be mined from the earth, that these mining practices are incredibly destructive to the environment. And most of these mines are run uh, using slave labor or child labor. They have serious human rights abuses that are happening in these mines. In addition to the fact that if even California, one state in the United States, one state in one country in the world, replaced all of their gas-powered cars with electric cars, it would cause the electric grid to go down which would lead to serious human tragedy. The human cost of this would be enormous. So the EPA has proved to us that their radical climate change agenda is not really about the environment. Um, We also know, by the way, that these same people that are talking about climate change and it being a threat to everything, that we have to reorient all of our politics and our personal lives and our businesses in, in a way that prioritizes climate alarmism, we know that it's not authentic alarm because they say nothing to China. China right now is building over 200 new coal plants across their country, and yet the climate change alarmists don't say anything. Greta Thunberg never criticizes China. She only criticizes us, and she only criticizes us for our capitalism. This is the Environmental Protection Agency. It's it's, their political agenda isn't about the planet. It isn't about the environment. It's about control just like the UN, just like the World Economic Forum. That's why this video means nothing. So, and you can you can see this in action too. If you journey back, the EPA under President Trump was headed by a man by the name of Scott Pruitt. Scott Pruitt was a, a highly controversial uh, figure, at least within Washington, D.C., at least within the swamp. I think most Americans didn't know his name, didn't care. Um, but Scott Pruitt was controversial for a couple of reasons. He was controversial, first of all, because he engaged in some questionable behavior, some unwise decisions, some purchases that um, that were a little bit controversial, office decoration, stuff like that, that he maybe wasn't supposed to do. Um, but the real reason that the left cared about those things, cared about unwise decisions or 
slight misallocation of funds, not justifying it, just saying, keep it in proportion to what it is. Um, the reason that the left cared about that, the reason that they, they, they engaged in this character assassination to the extent that Scott Pruitt was forced to resign was because Scott Pruitt was responsible for rolling back Obama-era, quote-unquote, environmental regulations at the EPA that had, um, that had really hogtied our economy in the name of the climate change agenda. Um, for example, during the Obama administration, there, was, there were regulations to, for car manufacturers, car manufacturers making them, um, it was an anti-fossil fuel regulation, and it was devastating for the car industry. Part of the economic boom that we enjoyed under Trump was due, it was thanks to this loosening of EPA regulations on industries. Um, for example, if an industry or a business, let's just say a business, um, is looking at this regulatory structure and they're not sure what they're going to be allowed to do next year, they're not gonna be, they're not sure what they're gonna be allowed to do in five years, well, they're not gonna invest. They're not gonna invest and they're not gonna create because they don't wanna lose money, they don't want to start something that they won't be able to complete. Um, that's, that's what a lot of industries faced with an Obama EPA. Well, Scott Pruitt came in under Trump and he deregulated the EPA. So businesses were like, okay, great, we'll invest, we'll create, we'll innovate, we'll produce, we'll distribute. And it led to not only a lot of jobs, but it led to um, good economic times for the United States. It might be one of the most underappreciated parts of the Trump administration because Scott Pruitt was a little controversial. Um, the EPA didn't get the credit that it deserved or I guess the head of the EPA. I think a lot of the people that worked at the EPA were still very radically leftist. Um, but the, and let me give an example of that actually, because this is pretty interesting. The EPA, while Scott Pruitt was there, didn't just investigate him for ethics issues. The EPA has a team called the Scientific Integrity Watchdog Team. And what this Scientific Integrity Watchdog Team did is they essentially served as a quote-unquote fact-checking operation for anything that Scott Pruitt said, any claim he made, or any justification that he gave for rolling back these EPA regulations. If it sounds exactly like PolitiFact and lead stories and, um, and, and those big tech fact-checking mechanisms that aren't actually fact-checking mechanisms, it's because that's exactly what it is. But the administrative state, the liberals in the administrative state doing that to anybody who dissents from the radical leftist narrative. This is what they did to Scott Pruitt. So Scott Pruitt was not a climate change alarmist. He dissented from the UN climate change narrative. And so the EPA's scientific integrity watchdog contradicted him. They, they, they fact-checked him, even though Scott Pruitt was head of the EPA. So when you see Michael Regan, the current EPA administrator in that video, this is what the EPA is. The EPA is an, is an agency of the administrative state dedicated not to environmentalism, not to people, not to being good stewards of our planet, but to climate change alarmism, which is just a mechanism for the elitists to rule our lives in the name of, if we don't, you will die and our planet will die. So that brings us back to Pete Buttigieg. Pete Buttigieg, what does Pete Buttigieg want? As a, a, what, does he, what is he hoping to get out of this tragedy that's happened in East Palestine, Ohio? Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot 
for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. As the nation gears up for another election season, tune to the first TV for the best coverage on television. Get an exclusive inside look at the American political machine with Sean Spicer at 7. Unmatched analysis and historical perspective from Bill O'Reilly at 8. Then a bold, unapologetic take from Jesse Kelly at 9. It's must-see TV in primetime every night on The First TV. Watch The First on DirecTV Channel 347, Uverse Channel 1220, or DirecTV Stream. Okay, so what is Pete Buttigieg? How is he viewing the East Palestine train derailment? How, what, he's he's the secretary of the Department of Transportation. This was a train derailment. This should be right up his alley. This is something he should have been on the ground day one, looking at what happened, being with the community. This is part of his role as a cabinet secretary. And yet we see him on the streets of Washington, D.C., taking some personal time, refusing to even answer the question. Doesn't have time to go to East Palestine. Has time for personal night. Has time to be a brat to a reporter is probably the best way to describe this. So Pete Buttigieg tweeted what he would like the consequences or the repercussions to be. This is what he said. He said, profit and expediency must never outweigh the safety of the American people. The freight railroad industry should make these changes now while we continue to act as an administration. And I look forward to working with Congress to deliver better accountability and safety. When he says these changes, we should make these changes now, he's talking about more regulation from the administrative state. He wants more regulation from the EPA. He wants more regulation from the Department of Transportation. He excoriates profit, not because, and you you and I are on the same page here. When it comes to corporations that are profiteering or crony capitalism, profit can be bad. You can be a greedy individual and you can exploit people in order to make profit. That is also bad. But profit in and of itself, just the idea of profit, has no morality attached to it. It's not a good thing or a bad thing. It's all dependent on the people who are profiting, how they are profiting, and what they are profiting on. But Pete Buttigieg excoriates profit. Why? Because Pete Buttigieg is a radical leftist, he's probably a Marxist, and he's certainly an anti-capitalist. So he wants to take any opportunity, exploit any tragedy, and use that as justification for government to take over more and more, bit by bit, piece by piece of our economy, control of your life and my life. More federal regulations. But profit is not the problem here. Profit is not the problem. The problem in this case that led to the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, is woke corporations. Woke corporations. Now, where do woke corporations come from? Woke corporations are woke corporations instead of just being big businesses, thanks to Democrats. Thanks to Democrats' policies, Democrat advocacy for environmental, social, and governance metrics. Norfolk Southern is the owner of the train that derailed. We know this. If you go to Norfolk Southern's website, they have a page um, in which they detail their ESG report 
what is this? This is their effort to abide by the environmental, social, and governance metrics as dictated by the UN or the World Economic Forum. Very, very radical leftist entities who are climate change alarmists, or they use climate change alarmism as a way to grab control of economies. This is what Norfolk Southern's ESG report says. They say, Norfolk Southern took its industry-leading sustainability efforts to new heights in 2020, becoming the first major North American railroad to issue green bonds in the amount of $500 million. Further, the company established a science-based target for a 42% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions intensity that is consistent with the Paris Agreement on Climate Change. It goes on to say, Norfolk Southern made significant infrastructure and community investments, issued 500 million in green bonds, they're just repeating themselves here, made approximately $850 million in new infrastructure investments, spent $166 million with diverse suppliers, made $13.1 million in total corporate contributions across the company's 22-state footprint. Norfolk Southern then set and met ambitious goals. In 2015, Norfolk Southern set a goal to improve a fuel efficiency 8.6% by 2020. That goal was exceeded in 2020. This saved more than 130 million gallons of diesel fuel and avoided 1.3 million metric tons of emissions. They nearly doubled their renewable energy usage to 18% in deregulated markets as of May of 2021 and established a new goal of using 30% clean energy by 2013. Blah, 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 blah. What does this tell us, my friends? What this tells us is Norfolk Southern, in pursuit of profit, perhaps did exactly what Pete Buttigieg said. Perhaps they were negligent in repairing their tanker cars. Perhaps they did not invest in human resources to examine the cars for defects, like that broken axle, before they took the car onto the track, that took the tanker car onto the track. Perhaps they're responsible. And perhaps they did it because they wanted to make money and they did not want to invest in new tanker cars or safety measures or, or uh, security reviews. We'll know more details about that as the investigations go forward. But what we know right now, this moment, is Norfolk Southern had the money, had the resources, the human resources, to take on ESG, to embrace ESG, and make it part of their company policy in such an enormous way that perhaps they didn't have money to make sure that their trains were operating safely. Imagine for one second if Norfolk Southern had taken the amount of money that they used to pursue this ESG agenda and had spent that on updating cars or making sure they had security and safety reviews before their, their trains left the station. The problem here is not, as Pete Buttigieg said, profit. The problem is not capitalism. The problem is anti-capitalism in the form of ESG that reduces corporations to political activist entities and ignores the interests of the people impacted by their business, their shareholders, their customers, and the public at large. Which means that what happened in East Palestine, Ohio, is albeit indirectly Pete Buttigieg's fault. It's the Democrats' fault. 
It's the global elitists' fault because they are they are the ones crying climate change alarmism all the time, and in the name of climate change alarmism, coercing corporations to embrace ESG, which leads to this. The problem is wokeism. So no. Capitalism is not the problem. And no, you shouldn't feel better to see Governor Mike DeWine and the EPA Administrator Michael Regan drinking the cup of science. The experts are loyal to their political agenda. They are not loyal to the science. And if it sounds familiar, it's because the parallels between how the government and the experts, the science, is responding to East Palestine, if it sounds familiar... Um, because it's very similar to how the experts and the science responded to COVID, it's because it's the same playbook. It's the same playbook. Let's go through some of these things. These elements are exactly the same. This is how. This playbook, this is how the Democrats grab power. They take either a contrived tragedy, emergency, or a real tragedy and emergency, and they exploit that fear and they use that as justification to take away our liberties and to, to uh, give power to a bloated federal government. So first of all, ignoring the science. This, I thought, this parallel is almost uncanny. So you'll remember back at the beginning of the, the COVID-19 outbreak when Dr. Fauci sent that email, that personal email to a friend who was asking, who had asked Fauci, should I wear a face mask? Dr. Fauci repeated in that personal email the actual science about the efficacy of face masks and ultimately recommended to the woman, these are his words, recommended to the woman that she did not need to wear a face mask. He then went on on television constantly and told everyone that they should wear a face mask all the time. Even outdoors, you should wear a face mask. He ignored the science in, in... pursuit of his own ideology. But if you look on, if you look on the NIH, um, if you look at the studies and the analyses, the meta-analyses on the NIH, all of the previous science showed us that face masks had never been a tool of the federal government that they had recommended to, um, to slow the spread. That was something that Dr. Fauci just pulled out of his hat this time around. And the same thing, this is exactly the same thing. If you go on the EPA's website, and you look up the mitigation protocols for vinyl chloride, one of the most toxic chemicals that was spilled in East Palestine, Ohio, they give, the EPA gives actual numerical values of how much of that chemical you can be exposed to either through the water or ingestion or via inhalation in the air. And how much of that over the course of a certain amount of time is dangerous and toxic and a threat to your health and perhaps your life. That's on the EPA's website. And yet, they ignore that, the actual science, the data, in favor of their political agenda. Their political agenda is they don't want to take responsibility for what happened in East Palestine. They don't want, they don't care about the people of East Palestine. They just care about climate alarmism, and this is a distraction. It's, ex- it's exactly the same playbook. This is what Dr. Fauci did with face masks. It's what, the, it's what Buttigieg and the EPA and Governor Mike DeWine are doing with vinyl chloride. They're ignoring the actual science in favor of ideology, and then they're gaslighting. This Gaslighting was like the primary strategy that the left 
tried to throw at us during COVID-19. Anybody who said anything that contradicted the narrative of the public health administration was gaslit. America is on trial. Join me, Josh Hammer, as we examine the presidential election through the only lens that truly matters, the legal proceedings of Donald Trump and the Biden crime family. This new daily podcast examines breaking news and analyzes the biggest questions facing the country. Can the former president, Donald Trump, get a fair trial? Can Trump be disqualified from the ballot? Can Joe Biden pardon his son, Hunter? Can Trump even pardon himself? We cover all the action every morning. Listen to America on Trial, wherever you download your favorite podcasts. So one of the hallmarks of how the experts handled COVID was they gaslit us. They made us feel like we were crazy for having certain concerns, whether this was about early intervention therapeutics for COVID, whether this was questions about face masks, whether this was skepticism of the universal vaccination agenda or policy of the federal government. If you so much as posed a respectful question, you were made out to be a lunatic. This is exactly, I mean, you saw that in the video. You saw Governor Mike DeWine condescendingly say, well, it's understandable that you might have felt fear, that you might have been concerned. Yeah, you crazy lady is what he meant. This condescending tone of voice that the EPA administrator used. We believe in the science, ma'am. We believe in the data. That's why we're confident to do this. Have a little respect. This playbook is an exact replica. It's identical to how they treated us under COVID. And then, of course, they pull this technocracy, this the experts. We say, we certify, we dictate, we decide, we control. And you, what what are your qualifications? Why would you get to say in this, in your own life, in your own decisions? Meanwhile, of course, people were hurt by the interventions that the government imposed upon us in the name of COVID, lockdowns and others. And people are hurting now. There's... There's not a single American citizen, maybe, maybe, maybe the same people who who think that boys can transition to be girls. The vast majority of the American people, there's not a single one of us who thinks that East Palestine, Ohio is safe right now, who thinks it's safe to breathe that air and drink that water. Our common sense, our survival instincts tell us that it's not safe. Why would those chemicals be labeled toxic chemicals if it was perfectly safe to spill them in our drinking water, put them in our air, and burn them up around us? Of course it's not safe. The experts who are responsible, and this is where the COVID parallel is kind of uncanny, the experts who want to fix this are the same people who caused it. Norfolk Southern is like Pfizer. The EPA is like the CDC. Buttigieg is like Fauci. Elitists who themselves are not harmed by the harm that they have inflicted on you in pursuit of their agenda. And the consequences, I know a lot of people in East Palestine are complaining of symptoms that they are experiencing. The serious consequences will be delayed just enough that Norfolk Southern and the EPA and Buttigieg can deny association because they'll pose an unfalsifiable proposition. They'll say, well, we can't prove that the vinyl chloride burned into the air and leaked into the water caused that cancer or that birth defect or that infertility. 
There's no way to firmly establish that, so it must not be true. The money that should be spent, the, federal, the, the money that the federal government has taken from us in the form of taxes, the money that should be spent on cleanup in East Palestine, it's going to Ukraine instead, just like our president, Biden, went to Ukraine instead of going to East Palestine, Ohio. Instead of going to the border, the crisis at the border, instead of doing something about inflation, Joe Biden went to Ukraine. He spoke in Poland about and betrayed openly, he was bragging in fact, about his true feelings on the on what's becoming a forever war in Ukraine funded by the United States. Take a listen. One year into, one year into this war, Putin no longer doubts the strength of our coalition, but he still doubts our conviction. He doubts our staying power. He doubts our continued support for Ukraine. He doubts whether NATO can remain unified. But there should be no doubt. Our support for Ukraine will not waver. NATO will not be divided, and we will not tire. <laughs> President Putin's craven lust for land and power will fail and the Ukrainian people's love for their country will prevail. Democracies of the world will stand guard over freedom today, tomorrow, and forever. So that's, what it's, that's what's at stake here, freedom. That's the message I carried to Kiev yesterday, directly to the people of Ukraine. $50 billion of U.S. taxpayer money has gone to Ukraine. And while Biden was in Ukraine before he went to Poland, he pledged $500 million more, half a billion more. Meanwhile, while Biden's in Ukraine, he's too busy for East Palestine, Ohio. Doesn't have enough money for East Palestine, Ohio. Can't be bothered to fix the border crisis, which is a threat to the sovereignty of our nation, a threat to our homeland security, a threat to our prosperity and people's, people's livelihoods and their bodily safety. Zelensky, I, I said this a month or so ago, and it bears repeating, because Biden is seemingly committing the United States to a forever war in Ukraine over a border dispute with Russia. Listen, Putin is wrong. Putin is an imperialist. Putin is a former KGB agent who most likely has not repudiated the socialism and Bolshevik Marxism of the Soviet Union. He's an imperialist. He was wrong to invade Ukraine but are we, the United States, going to die in a nuclear war? Are we gonna be vaporized by a nuclear weapon over defending the border in Ukraine? Apparently, according to Biden, we sure are because that's where we're heading. This entire visit to Ukraine was staged. When Biden walked across, uh, walked across a video, a staged video with Ukrainian President Zelensky, you'll hear in the background an air raid siren go off. It's, it's very specifically timed. Just take a look at this.
very specifically timed, and you'll notice how they just ignored it. They just kept walking, or in Biden's case, shuffling. This rang false. It rang hollow. It seemed staged, so much so that CNN unintentionally, accidentally outed this as probably being fake. Take a listen. Um, I've been here for the past five days. I have not heard any explosions. I have not heard any air sirens until about half an hour ago, right when uh, President Biden was in the center of Kiev. Oh, he's been there for the past five days and he hasn't heard any air raid sirens until the 15 seconds that Biden walks across that courtyard with President Zelensky. Maybe because the whole thing is staged. Maybe because Zelensky is an actor and a hoax. Maybe because Joe Biden is in the pocket of Zelensky, because Hunter Biden has profited off of corrupt business dealings with Zelensky himself, with Ukrainian oligarchs. And therefore, Biden has to give Zelensky what Zelensky asks. Otherwise, Zelensky will expose what's probably criminal behavior, not just from Hunter Biden, that's obvious, but probably Joe Biden as well. There's one very simple solution to this forever war in Ukraine, funded by the United States. The solution is to end the war. It's to settle the war. And if this, if this seems tough to stomach, it is. And you know why it's tough to stomach? Because Democrats put, and the left around the world, it's not just Democrats, put us in this situation. It's a lose-lose at this point. Yeah, Ukraine's gonna lose some stuff. They've already lost a horrendous amount of human life. They're gonna lose even more if they make peace with Russia or at least make a truce with Russia. But you can't expect a winning outcome when you've put yourself in a lose-lose position. And Joe Biden, through his weakness, has put Ukraine in a losing position. He's put the United States in a losing position. Vladimir Putin doesn't fear the United States, clearly. And so here's what needs to happen. We need to end this forever war with Ukraine before it turns in to an all-out NATO war with Russia and a nuclear war that threatens the lives of an untold number of people. And the way to make peace, the way to end this war is for Ukraine probably to sacrifice Crimea and at least part of the Donbass region to Putin. We know for a fact that Putin was willing to end his invasion of Ukraine on those terms less than a year ago. And it was Western leaders, like Boris Johnson, for example, who talked Zelensky out of doing that. It was Western leaders who perpetuated this war. Western leaders who want this to be a forever war, who don't care that they're taking money from East Palestine and the border crisis and giving it to the pensions of Ukrainians instead? While we in the United States suffer from inflation, skyrocketing gas prices, food prices that have doubled energy prices like my own that has tripled, Biden has the power to end this war. Because our unlimited funding of this war has come with zero strings attached. Joe Biden can stop this war in a snap if he says, 
Mr. Zelensky, we will not give you another dime unless you do what we say. And Zelensky would have to do it. The person responsible for the continuation of this war at this point is Joe Biden. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show.